Hi, I'm Ali Maldro, the host of A Public Affair on Tuesdays. You can listen to this show any day of the week, any hour of the day on the WORT smartphone app or on wortfm.org. If you love what you hear, click that donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab my mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication of our tribal war. Good afternoon, Madison. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. I'm your host, Ali Maldro. This is a public affair. And today we're talking about the Supreme Court race, which is just a mere three weeks away. Um, we're we're going to talk about how, how we got to this point in kind of our, our political reality here in Wisconsin, and we're going to do it with Megan McDonald, who is FAIR Wisconsin's executive director. FAIR Wisconsin works to build fair, safe, and inclusive Wisconsin for all lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people who live here. They do this by advancing and protecting LGBTQ civil rights through lobbying, legislative advocacy, grassroots organizing, and coalition building and electoral involvement. We're also talking to Carlene Beaton, who is the organizing director for Wisconsin Fair Maps Coalition. The coalition's mission is to ensure representative government for all by advocating for the for an enacting independent nonpartisan redistricting process. They are also working to build a fair and accountable judiciary and to secure fair and equal access to voting. Carlene, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How about Thank you? you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm doing great. I'm so excited to get to talk to the two of you. Megan, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, thanks for having me. So I want to dive right right into this conversation. And if you'd like to join the conversation, the number is 608-256-2001. Press 9 and we'll patch you through if you have questions about this upcoming election, the Supreme Court, the importance of voting in the spring. Feel free to tell us your voting story, give us a call, um, ask questions of our two amazing guests. Megan, I want to start with you. Um, the Supreme Court has, you know, made made some interesting choices in terms of public safety um, in Wisconsin, has, has made some interesting choices in terms of, you know, the rights of LGBTQ folks, although... Um, they've also surprisingly, you know, not uh, intervened when when schools have tried to protect uh, trans students, or they've ruled on on the side of schools that are protecting trans youth. What does this election mean for LGBTQ folks? What does the Supreme Court mean for uh, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer, trans community here in Wisconsin? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you know, first of all, a lot of people don't don't realize that the Supreme Court is elected. So we have, um, you know, a dynamic where educating people about that is obviously really important. But the courts have been, you know, fundamental federal and state courts for um, civil rights and for LGBTQ rights um, specifically for many years. That's how many of our, you know, sort of gains um, have been made. But I think probably the biggest thing 
you know, to point out for Wisconsin, um, which is why I'm also so glad Carlene's here because um, we are going to talk about maps. Um, you know, one of the things that is very likely, one of the issues that's very likely to come before the state Supreme Court is, um, you know, our legislative district maps, which, um, you know, in Wisconsin are currently very ger gerrymandered. We have a very unbalanced legislature that doesn't represent the views and the, you know, values of Wisconsin. Um, and getting new maps and therefore, you know, new, new um, composition of the legislature is really the key to unlocking, you know, pretty much everything. Um, all of the kinds of things that we want to, you know, advance in the legislature um, would be, that have been blocked for years and years. Um, you know, sort of become possible. It's not a guarantee, but, um, you know, things like conversion therapy protections, discrimination protections for gender identity and expression, you know, things like that. Um, the, the maps in the legislature really are the key to unlocking all of that. And the, you know, state Supreme Court is really the first stop in that. Thank you so much for speaking to that, Megan. And I think, you know, in, in thinking about the really important decisions that our Supreme Court has made, Carlene, I want to talk to you about the decision that our Supreme Court already made with respect to our legislative maps. Recently, um, our, our Supreme Court ruled in favor of, of more conservative-leaning maps or, or maps that kind of gave press preferential treatment um, to to you know, the the more conservative members of our legislature. Currently, the majority of our Supreme Court is, is conservative. Um, can you talk about, you know, the opportunity to shift that dynamic in this election and what our, our maps look like right now? Yeah. Um, wow. That's, that's a lot uh, to talk about. So I, I'm just going to start with the, the impact that this Supreme Court had on the, the maps that were used in the 2022 election. Um, as Megan said, a lot of people don't realize that our, our, um, our justices are elected, but even though they're supposed to be nonpartisan, they definitely come from an ideological background. And as you said, it's uh, the the court right now is majority conservative. Um, and the the history of our maps, it, it really wasn't previous to this last cycle ever in our state Supreme Court. It had, they had been uh, decided in 1971 was the last time the legislature decided them. And then 81, 91, 2000, when they ended up in federal courts, um, and then uh, there was a trifecta of um, conservatives that in uh, office in 2011, and the the initial gerrymandered, you know, highly gerrymandered maps in Wisconsin were passed um, at that time. There were court cases that went back and forth, but they didn't go anywhere. But they were in the Supreme Court mostly um, in the the U.S. Supreme Court. This time around, however, um, the maps were um, passed along party lines. The, the GOP leadership proposed maps that were passed by the very gerrymandered state legislature, and the governor vetoed them. So they went to court, and in this time, they didn't go 
to federal court. They went to the state Supreme Court. And there had there was a little bit of back and forth around that even because some folks had wanted it to go to federal court. The, the uh, GOP leadership had uh, appealed the, the maps and it went to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And that's where things kind of got really clearly results oriented based on things that were not law. Um, they used what's called a, a least change approach to determining which maps. So the least change in new maps from the 2011 gerrymandered maps, least change is not the law in the state and it's not in our state's constitution. So that was the first way that the justices really diverged uh, from what is state law, what is state constitution in choosing maps. And then they went back and forth. The final result, needless to say, is that the maps that we have now are even more gerrymandered than the maps that we had in 2011. And to, to speak to, to Megan's point about our state legislature, you know, the, the, the gerrymandered maps have created a, a state legislature that is extremely out of balance and does not reflect the voting patterns or the will of the people of the state. And so what's resulted is a lot of things that should be decided in a collaborative legislative body end up in our state's Supreme Court. And mm -hmm. that's everything from COVID protections to, um, you know, whether or not someone needs to step down from their position on a board um, at the, you know, like the DNR board. So a lot of things are ending up in court that really shouldn't be. Uh, and it, if we had maps that were more reflective of the state's population versus so gerrymandered, those things would be decided by legislators who, who look for what's best for the state and not what's best for their, themselves. Thank you so much for speaking to that. And I guess I kind of want to push back. You know, I think it's easy on WORT 89.9 FM Madison to accept that the maps we have right now are not a reflection of the diversity of voices and ideas that there are across the state of Wisconsin. And still, there's a part of me that thinks Wisconsin is a state that elected, you know, both Barack Obama and Donald Trump. Um, we are a, a really purple state, and some would argue that we are a pretty conservative state. How do you know, um, Megan, that our 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 maps are not a reflection of just how conservative Wisconsin is or how conservative Wisconsin has become. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I think the easiest way to illustrate this is the fact that in the last several elections, the statewide elected officials that are chosen, such as the governor, attorney general, you know, et cetera, have been... Um, you know, in a certain, <laughs> a certain, obviously trying to keep this, you know, nonpartisan, but the, um, are, you know, democratic, they're not the same views, um, ideologies, you know, as, um, we talked about, um, they value, you know, different things, um, and are obviously, you know, if you read, you know, read the news, at odds with the legislature often. So um, 
You know, one, one thing that I have been saying in regard to this is that, you know, we don't need, um, you know, if you're progressive, uh, like I am, you don't, we don't, we're not looking for, you know, maps that are tilted in the other direction. We're looking for fair maps because I think our ideas are better. <laughs> our, our policies are better. They're better for people. Um, and I think that, you know, we can, if we can just compete on a level playing field, um, I think that's how, you know, we can, um, you know, sort of advance those policies and ideas um, by letting people choose who represents them instead of, you know, the represent the legislators sort of choosing their voters, basically. Mm. And I'm sure Carly, actually, you probably also have. Plenty yeah, of I, <laughs> I, I do actually. Um, so th- there's been a lot of polling down on issues that, yeah. that a broad spectrum of the, the Wisconsin population agrees on. You know, so 89% of the population would like to see the, the 1849 abortion ban overturned. 81% want to see universal background checks on gun purchases. 74% think that uh, special education should be fully funded by the state and not in, a, not, not in a way that means you have to rob what's called, you know, the regular education budget or the general education budget to do it. Um, want to see Medicaid expansion. So there are lots of things that folks agree on across the political spectrum. And the other other piece of that is uh, at the Fair Maps Coalition, we've spent a good deal of time passing referendums in states or in, in counties around the state. And what we've found is that actually more of the referendums are passed in counties that went for Trump. 43 of the 56 counties that passed resolutions at the county board level were counties where the majority of the population voted for Trump in in 2020. And where referendums were passed by countywide vote, 66% of those were passed in counties that went for Donald Trump. It representing 61% of the, of the state's population. So we know that this is something that people agree on. They don't like it that politicians are picking their voters rather than the other way around. It, it you know, I, I live in Southern Dane County. I am, as Megan said, I'm progressive. Across the street from me are two Trump voters, the two houses diagonally across the street from me. Their votes don't count in this district. And this is a very blue district. They're not going to count here because of that. And then there are some counties up in the, you know, there are counties around the state that are solidly red. And blue votes are not going to make much difference there. But there are lots and lots of other places in between where it's really pretty purple. And you have to be very, very deliberate in the way you draw the maps, in the wards that you include in districts, in order to make them one way or the other solidly red or solidly blue. And, you know, that we could get into the packing and cracking and all of that. But the, 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 at the end of the day, if maps were drawn in a fair way that did not take into account partisanship, they would lean slightly Republican. Fine. 
that's fair representation. They would not be skewed dramatically Republican. And and I think that that's what, what Megan was trying to say. We're not looking for a map that is a Democratic map or a Republican map. We're looking for fair maps that are representative of the people of the state. And it, it, we are a 50-50 state, but demographics do make, you know, where people live, do make a difference in how, in how those maps would turn out. We wouldn't have a 50-50 state, uh, state Senate or state assembly. But as she said, and I completely concur, we would have maps that, that were much fairer. Kathleen, thank you so much for speaking to that and for all the data that you gave to, to explain, you know, what we have in common. I do think that it's easy to forget right now that people have this common ground, this shared desire to invest in the next generation and make public Absolutely. education, you know, a, a quality experience. Most people don't think that it should be a felony to, to get an abortion. Um, most of our, our state, you know, has has certain values that overlap or are common ground, and that is not the, the conversation most of the time. If you're just joining us, you're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Maldro. This is a public affair. If you want to join the conversation, the number is 608-256-2001, press 9, and Jade will patch you through, our producer. Um, we're talking about the Supreme Court election, and that is on April 4th. Early voting starts next week. I want to talk a little bit about voter engagement. Megan, you started by saying most people don't actually realize that you vote for the Supreme Court. Um, this is the first Supreme Court candidate we've had in a couple years. Um, we won't have another one for a few years, and Supreme Court members for, you know, they serve 10 years. They're going to define the next decade. Can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of, of getting people out to vote and making sure that folks know um, that, that they need to vote in, in April, on April 4th or early for the, the Supreme Court candidate that represents, you know, what we have in common here in Wisconsin? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, right, first of all, people people don't know that it's or are surprised to learn that it's an elected position. Um, it's an entire, you know, branch of government that um, is elected in the nonpartisan spring elections where, you know, just in general, voters are less engaged than in the fall elections. Um, and, you know, the other thing that's tricky about it is that they have there's seven justices, they have these 10 year staggered terms. So we don't even have just like you said, we don't even have a Supreme Court election every spring. It's and the gap in between them is ir irregular too. it's, um, you know, sometimes we'll have a cut like two in a row. Um, and then like in this last instance, there were a few years in between since the last Supreme Court election that we had. Um, so voter education is just a really uphill, you know, um, effort, um, trying to get, you know, get and keep people's attention, um, in the winter. And, um, it's also, you know, one of the, probably the branch of government that is sort of the least, you know, well-known or understood by the average person, um, in, you know, understanding why it's so important. Um, and in the context of all the things we've talked about so far, how, you know, in this case, a lot of our rights and protections um, have ended up 
you know, being achieved through the courts um, and a lot of the efforts to push back against some of the very, you know, sort of conservative efforts, voter suppression laws, things, you know, the abortion law, things that we're, you know, trying to push back against. So it's definitely uphill, but that's, you know, one of the things that a lot of um, obviously Fair Wisconsin, Fair Maps Coalition, all of the, um, you know, various issue groups work together to, um, you know, help help do that voter education, let people know the importance of it, motivate people to, you know, get out to vote. Um, and yeah, it's just really, um, <laughs> like, it's very important. I don't know what else, <laughs> how else to say it, but we, um, you know, we're, we're doing lots of um, unusual events. Um, lots of groups are doing, you know, texting programs, digital ads, mailing, canvassing. Um, we're really glad to be, you know, sort of finally coming out of the pandemic um, in terms of how that has affected election outreach as well. Um, you know, and really just trying to trying to make sure people understand how how important it really is. And it really does make a difference. You know, it's easy to think, oh, I don't know how this you know, I don't know. I don't know how that affects me, you know, in a in a day to day way. But helping people see how the makeup of the court has a really direct impact on these issues that people care about um, and do agree on, you know, whether you're conservative or progressive, like Carlene was saying that, um, you know, people agree on that. So so, yeah, letting people know how much is at stake is um, just a really ongoing effort. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo that. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, I was going to ask you, how are you all making sure voters know about this election? Uh, you started, you know, when we were talking a little bit before we jumped on air, you started talking about when people can vote, how people can vote, when people can start vo voting early. Um, do you want to share that information with the folks who are listening to WORT and make sure folks know uh, that they can start voting next week? Right. Um, absolutely. So some folks have already you know, they've sent in a request for an absentee ballot. They're getting them for all the elections this year. And, and this April 4th election will be the last one this year. Uh, so uh, that that's great. Those, those are being mailed out today. And I did that. I expect I'll get it in the mail tomorrow and then turn it right back around and, and put it back in my mailbox because we know that there were a few issues with the last election with with ballots being received after the election, and nobody wants to have that happen. Tomorrow is the last day to register by mail or register online to vote. So if you need to register, you can register at the polls on the day of the election, but if you want to register by mail or register online, tomorrow is the last day for that. Um, as I said, absentee ballots are being mailed out today, so they'll be arriving in mailboxes this week for those who have already requested absentee ballots. Next Tuesday, the 21st, early in-person voting starts, and that's usually in your clerk's office. Um, but the place to go to find any of this information and to register online is myvote.com 
www.wi.gov. That's M-Y-V-O-T-E dot W-I dot G-O-V. And there are all kinds of things that you can check there. Um, I check my registration pretty regularly. Not that I've ever not been registered, but it, you know, I'm just super anxious that I, I don't want anything to get in the way of my vote. Um, and then once you get your once you get your absentee ballot, if you're voting that way, you can track when it's been received by your clerk so that you know that your clerk will have it and it will be counted on election day. Um, the last day to, for in-person early voting is April 2nd. Uh, well, actually, let me back that up. It's March 31st in a lot of places. That's the Friday before, but there are some places that have Saturday and Sunday voting. I think, uh, Milwaukee and Madison are two of those, but you can check on that in your area. And then um, the election day is actually Tuesday, April 4th. If you're, you're voting that day, polls are open from 7 a.m. until 8 o'clock p.m. And if you are in line at 8 o'clock p.m., you can vote. Um, and hopefully by that time, you know, the weather will be nicer. <laughs> And people, if they're in line, can be outside and standing in line. Um, so, yeah, lots of really important issues besides the Supreme Court on many ballots. Uh, village boards, school boards, municipal judges, circuit court judges, appeals court judges, um, and some pretty important uh, referendum that are on the ballot this time as well. Thank you so much, Kylie, for speaking to all of that. Uh, what, what is the work Fair Wisconsin is doing right now to make sure folks understand what's at stake for the LGBTQ community when, when we're talking about the Supreme Court? Wisconsin has seen a series of, of legislation um, introduced that would discriminate against LGBTQ youth, that would stop trans youth from being able to participate in sports at as early an age as four years old. Um, we've seen some really aggressive attacks towards our LGBTQ young people, um, and, and particularly for those young folks who don't get to vote yet. Uh, what, what does this election mean for, for the LGBTQ community, um, and, and what are you hoping uh, the Supreme Court does in the face of, of these attacks on LGBTQ youth, Megan? Sure. Um, well, first of all, I think, you know, a lot of the issues, um, they, they have to, they won't end up before the Supreme Court unless, you know, a law were to be passed and then be challenged. So we're really grateful for um, having a governor who has been a very visible, vocal, you know, public ally committing to veto any of these bills that would, if they were to make it to his desk. Um, so we do have, you know, that sort of protection against a lot of these, um, you know, really harmful bills that have been um, proposed and debated in the last session. Um, we're watching very carefully to see, you know, what kind of things, you know, turn up in this session. Um, so, you know, on, in that way, we're um, <laughs> honestly hoping a lot of them, a lot of, you know, these kinds of issues um, won't even get that far. Um, but, it, you know, it is a big sort of um, this, like, 
a distinction that if, um, you know, we didn't have a governor who was such a strong, you know, ally, um, and we had a scenario where these laws um, were passed and signed into law, the Supreme Court would really be the only place to try to challenge them in their, you know, discriminatory nature. So, um, you know, that's, that's sort of one piece of it. Um, another piece is, you know, kind of turning around back to, you know, some of the other um, offices that are on the ballot this spring, like Carly mentioned, school boards. There are, you know, hundreds of school board uh, members around the state up for election right now. And that's really like on the ground where a lot of um, a lot of these issues are being, you know, talked about and um, people have the opportunity to make sure that the people on their school boards are, you know, also reflect their values in terms of how school policies, um, you know, treat LGBTQ kids and respect their identities. And, um, you know, obviously I don't have to, <laughs> that's, um, you know, something we work very closely with GSAFE on. So, you know, it's a, um, I know I don't need to, you know, tell you about that, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, school board, school board races are another um, really, just really important place where people need to learn about the candidates, make sure they vote, make sure that they're picking, you know, school board members who really reflect how they feel about those issues. Absolutely. And here in Madison, the school board election is every single year in April. There's always members, multiple members of the board up either for re-election or, you know, new folks who are trying to get on the body of governance. Um, I think, you know, if you look at the Madison Metropolitan School District's Board of Education, which is considered a really progressive, really liberal body of government, you know, there, there, there are some things that are kind of similar between that body um, and, and our state Supreme Court, right? There's seven people on both bodies, um, and both bodies are majority women. You could look at our current makeup of our state Supreme Court and think, maybe this is a more progressive, pro-choice body uh, of government because there is so much representation of women on our Supreme Court. It's six women and one guy. Um, can you talk a little bit about how our, our current Supreme Court leans when it comes to reproductive justice, Carleen? Yes. Um, right now, and on our state court, there's a 4-3 conservative lean, um, and ideologically, the court is uh, pretty stacked against uh, reproductive rights. And so it is an issue that we are, you know, very concerned about uh, and one that will definitely be impacted by the results of the upcoming Supreme Court election. We know that one of the candidates has done uh, work for um, anti-abortion groups and has been endorsed by anti-abortion groups. And so it's pretty clear um, what, what that uh, electing that person would result in. Um, and we know that given the, the U.S. Supreme Court's overturning of, um, of Roe in the Dobbs decision, that 
this is ending up in state courts and in state legislatures. And our state legislature has indicated that they are not really willing to uh, repeal the 1849 ban. And the governor has indicated that he is not willing to sign um, the kind of bill that is being offered. So once again, that is something that is super likely. Um, well, it's already working its way up through the lower courts. Um, um, the Attorney General Call has already uh, filed suit to make the, uh, the 1849 ban unconstitutional, declaring it unconstitutional, and it is working its way up through the courts. So that's, that for sure is going to end up in the state Supreme Court at some point. Um, and so, you know, we can see that 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 uh, is likely to uh, well, that that will have a decision that's that's impacted uh, significantly by the results of this election. Um, and we know that the uh, the other candidate has has indicated that um, that she believes that uh, people who become pregnant should have uh, bodily autonomy and be able to make those decisions for themselves and with their their medical providers and their their families or or the their significant others. So, whom it, it it this is an issue that I I have a lot of strong feelings about. I'm trying to to remain as nonpartisan as I can in my comments, um, and, but it it is something again that um, that is definitely going to be impacted by this court. I think that when you talk about kind of how gerrymandered our state is, there there kind of sets in like this sense of, of hopelessness that maybe it doesn't make any difference to get out there and get involved and vote. Um, maybe our, our system is too rigged um, to, to do anything about it. I, I, I want to zone, zone in on what you just said about the makeup of our current court. Will this election determine whether or not um, you know, progressives hold the majority or conservatives hold the majority or, you know, no matter who you vote for, is the majority majority of the court already determined? Megan, can you speak a little bit uh, to that? Sure. I think, I think this election, we have um, two candidates, and <laughs> I feel you, Carlene, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. Um, we have two candidates who are, it is not difficult to, to see where they, where they fall on a number of issues. Um, listeners out there, you can do some, you know, basic Googling and um, it won't take long for you to sort of see, see some of the distinctions in their, um, you know, positions and values and, you know, judicial philosophy and, you know, all of those things that can sort of give you you know, an idea of who that you would want to support. Um, like Carlene said, I think that the abortion law is very likely to come before the court. Um, again, the redistricting maps are very likely to come before the court. And those are really the key to sort of un unwinding everything else, like we've said a bunch of times in this hour. Um, right now it does feel like oh my gosh there's like nothing you know there's there's nothing we can do um the legislature blocks every you know single thing that we support they're advancing all these horrendous 
you know, bills that are um, bad for kids, bad for, you know, LGBTQ people. Um, but un- <laughs> like, I'll come back to Michigan. Michigan was in a similar situation as Wisconsin. They got to a point where they were able to get, you know, new maps, fair maps that, um, you know, sort of result in a, in a fair fight, you know, like competing on a level playing field. Um, and now they have a legislature that's more representative of the people of Michigan. And a lot of things are, um, you know, sort of opening up. And that's, that is the, the model that, you know, we can try to follow in Wisconsin. Um, another thing that I, that, you know, we haven't touched on yet, but, you know, to why everyone around the country is paying attention to our Supreme Court election is the fall, you know, 2024 election. Um, it's really, it's really possible or like, you know, likely mm-hmm. even, I don't, <laughs> that, um, if there are going to be uh, challenges to the election outcome in 2024, those challenges will come to the state Supreme Court in Wisconsin. And we have two candidates um, who, again, are very different. One of them did paid legal work in support of um, conservative efforts to, um, you know, the false elector scheme and things like that. And the other one didn't. So, (laughs) you know, I think it gives you, (laughs) it gives you kind of some clues about where things are going. So, you know, that's, that is another, another angle as to why this particular election, you know, is so significant. The, the ramifications of who wins this election, we're going to be feeling for, you know, a number of years in Wisconsin, either for the worse or for the better. And like I said, the two candidates really could not be more different on almost, you know, every, every issue. And um, I just really urge folks to, you know, if you aren't already familiar, just do, you know, you'll quickly see uh, what we're talking about. Um, And, uh, yeah, I hope everyone just, you know, takes some time to check that out and make sure to, you know, take all these tips with you and remember how important it is to vote. Yeah, yeah, I, I wanna... can, can I just add something to what just Megan just said? Absolutely. Um, pretty clearly, young people are pivotal in this election um, because so many of the issues that are that are before the court now and will come before the court are going to impact younger people than me. I'm 65 on Saturday, you know, um, and it's, it, we really should be spending as much time as possible reaching out to young BIPOC voters and stressing the impacts of this election. A lot of the things that we've been talking about um, are, um, are kind of universal as far as their impacts, but maps in particular and the policies that are enacted or not enacted tend to really, that they they really negatively impact BIPOC communities more than than white communities. And so I, I think it's worth acknowledging that the maps and the decisions that are made around 
voting district maps and the policies that are implemented because of gerrymandered maps and courts that uphold gerrymandered maps are really upholding a system of white supremacy that is, uh, is not good for any of us. And it's particularly not good for BIPOC communities. And I, I think every chance that we have to lift that up and amplify it and really help um, young BIPOC voters understand that that this really does impact them. It's not, these are not criminal courts. These are courts that decide on things that become policy. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't think the, the Supreme Court impacts them or, or the courts impact them because they don't break the law. Uh, well, you don't have to break the law to, to be impacted by the Supreme Court. And so we just really have to drive home the point that your vote does matter in this. We did see record turnouts in the primary. Uh, and so we're, we're hoping for those kind of record turnouts again and have been doing a lot of outreach to uh, young BIPOC voters at, for that reason. Thank you so much for, for speaking to that, Carlene. You heard it here, folks, on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. This is a public affair. I'm Ali Muldrow. And this election will determine whether or not, you know, the 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 Supreme Court is majority conservative or majority liberal. It only takes four people to make up the majority, um, and who we vote for in this election will determine who, who holds that majority and will also define the next decade on the Supreme Court in Wisconsin. Um, I want to bring Bruce on to, to join us here on WORT. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, say, I, I just have to say, first of all, I appreciate that you guys are having this program uh, and that also that I didn't hear the whole show. So I apologize if I'm saying something that maybe has already been kind of pointed out. Uh, but um, there was a question just recently put to one of your, uh, the people that you're talking to uh, about whether or not, you know, are we frustrated? You know, things never seem to change. You know, you're in a red district, you're in a blue district. I want to make it, make sure that people really understand this is a statewide election and it doesn't matter if you're in a red or a blue district. This is the chance to change the Supreme Court, uh, which causes the problem that we're talking about, the gerrymandering. Um, and so I just really want people to realize it doesn't matter where you live. This is a statewide election. Please come out and vote so that we can change the situation. Oh, thank you so much for speaking to that, Bruce, and thank you for tuning in. And though you may have missed the beginning, um, what you said is completely relevant to this conversation and is totally worth repeating. Folks, make sure you get out and vote. Remember that this is a statewide election and that every single vote counts. Um, I, Carleen, I want to lean into what you were saying about, you know, the impacts this election has on young people and also what it looks like to turn young people out for a, a spring election. Um, I was really happy to see that more people turned out than were anticipated in February. Last year, there was very low voter turnout um, in, in Madison for the spring elections. Um, I think having the mayor on the ballot makes a big difference in a, in a community like Madison. What is getting people to the polls um, to vote for Supreme Court? Um, well, that's a great question. Um, there was a there was a, a letter to the editor in the Cap Times from the co-executive directors of LIT, uh, Leaders uh, Igniting Transformation, which is uh, 
an organization in, a, you know, a nonprofit pro-democracy organization in Milwaukee that is really engaging with uh, young BIPOC uh, folks, some who are not able to vote yet, but who are helping to turn out folks to vote. Um, also, you know, people are mailing postcards, they're doing text banking, they're, but the, the very, very, very best thing is to talk to the people that you know, you know, to, to actually have a conversation with them and impact on them how important this election is to the future of our state. And, you know, I'll go, I'll go so far as to say that the things that started in our state in 2010 and were tried here and uh, spread to other states like North Carolina, which is my home state, which also has a really tragic gerrymander that was corrected. Now their state Supreme Court is looking at it again. Um, and things that happened at the national level that just that that Wisconsin sort of became the Petri dish for and have taken um, our state and our country in a direction that is very exclusionary. And when I say that, I mean it leaves out women and BIPOC folks and really holds power um, among the people who have generational wealth and who have been in charge for far too long. We, we have never had a democracy in this state. We've never really had a democracy in this country. But if we're going to get to that ever, things have to be more fair and more inclusive. And that means that we all need as much as possible to participate and to really um, empower young people in particular to see that they have a role in, in arriving at that, that place of a democracy for themselves and for, you know, their posterity. Carleen, yeah. I love that you framed that as empowering folks to vote. Megan, do you want to speak a little bit to what it looks like to inspire people to show up and vote, to get out to the polls early, um, to get the, the people in their community to vote? What is some of the organizing effort um, that you all are, are engaged in as Fair Wisconsin um, to make sure folks know that this election really, really matters? Um, yeah, that is a great you know, follow up. Um, and actually, I want to go back to the shout out to groups like Lit, who are, um, you know, many, there's many groups that are, you know, doing this, um, basically year round organizing, you know, and um, Fair Wisconsin, for example, we've had, we've kind of had our lean years and our, you know, more, more um, prosperous years in terms of resources and staffing and things like that. But um, one of the, you know, sort of our progressive movements know is that year-round organizing is one of the keys, like Carleen said, having these individual conversations with people, talking to people you know, talking to your friends and family, um, and for the, you know, advocacy organizations to be, you know, again, doing basically year-round organizing um, on the issues as they, you know, whether you're, um, reacting to things that are happening in a legislative session or in your community, um, keeping those conversations going all year and trying to help people see how um, government and voting and, you know, these, these issues really do 
impact you on a day-to-day level and that you really can do something about it. Um, I also think, you know, to go back to the record, you know, turnout that we had in February, um, I want to give a shout out to our sort of progressive infrastructure in Wisconsin that, again, I think we have a very, um, you know, coordinated um, coalitions in this state where, you know, groups work together. And it was a very intentional and, you know, sort of well-planned out strategy to view the last fall election. You know, obviously the midterms were very high stakes. We had the federal midterm elections. We were trying to, you know, reelect our governor and um, protect his veto pen. Um, Everybody in all the organizations that worked together looked at this election cycle as not ending in November of 2022, but ending in April of 2023. And so that work has carried through. And I think, you know, we saw um, some of the, some of the results of that in February, hopefully we'll see the same, you know, results in April with um, more young people voting, more, um, you know, people turning out to make sure that the Supreme Court really does reflect what we want it, what we need it to. Megan, thank you so much for, you know, talking about all all the organizers. And I, I have to give you all credit for shouting out, you know, each other and the work that you're doing, as well as the organizing that's happening around the state of Wisconsin um, to get people to, to show up and vote this April. When you kind of think about what what it means to to you know participate in this election, do you all start to anticipate the the next Supreme Court race? Um, how how long between between this race and our next opportunity to an elect uh, elect a person to our state Supreme Court? Carleen, can you can you speak to you know how long it'll be before we get this opportunity again? Uh, yes, the next one will be the next Supreme Court race is in 2025. And then I think there's another one again in 2026. So uh, the 2025 race, uh, none of the none of the justices have announced that they're retiring. And um, Justice Rogensack didn't announce that she was retiring until less than a year ago. So um, you know the those we won't we won't really know if those justices are going to run for re-election. They usually do, and incumbents um, are the hardest to defeat. There hasn't been an incumbent uh, justice actually defeated in an election. Uh, when when uh, Dan Kelly was on the court before he had been appointed, and he was defeated by Jill Karofsky, who is on the court now. So. Uh, there have been folks who were appointed who have been defeated besides him. Um, and, you know, I can tell you that these races are becoming more and more expensive. Uh, there are predictions that this, this race, by the time it's done, will cost maybe $30 million. And already at the primary time, it had set a record for any state Supreme Court race in the country. So it's gonna it's gonna be harder and harder for people who don't have a lot of independent wealth, or are ideologues with uh, moneyed backing 
to run in these races, which is really unfortunate because there are so many really dedicated and skilled public servants who would be fabulous justices. Um, and I'm just thinking of uh, Judge Mitchell, who is a personal friend who ran, but does not have that kind of financial backing uh, mm. to be able to take on that kind of money. And then when you have all kinds of uh, racist ads being, you know, tossed around, um, that doesn't help either. So um, I, I really am very hopeful that we have record turnouts for this election and we can uh, begin to work on some of the issues and maybe campaign finance is one of those things that could happen at a legislative level that could open candidacy for the court up to more folks. Um, but it's, it, you know, it is an enormous issue and it, and, and it also impacts judicial ethics and recusal rules and other kinds of things that our state doesn't currently have at the Supreme Court level, which is also um, uh, something that um, a different court might make different decisions on. Thank you so much for, for speaking to that. And I would love to have you both back to talk about the, the reality of what it costs to run for office. Um, because I think that is another, you know, gatekeeper. We can talk about maps. We can talk about what it means to engage voters. But the truth is, is that uh, it, it is a, a very expensive process to run for the state Supreme Court. And that, in some ways, defines who gets to participate, who gets to run and be a candidate. Megan, I cannot thank you enough for all the work you're doing with FAIR Wisconsin. Carlene, thank you for, for fighting for FAIR Maps. Thank you both for joining us today on WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow. This is A Public Affair. We'll be back next week on Tuesday. And just a reminder, folks, early voting starts next week, Tuesday. Make sure you get out and vote. Vote early, vote absentee, vote by the mail, but make sure that you vote. Never pre-recorded with information that will never be reported. Disregard the mainstream, media distorted. Woo-hoo.